Welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. My name is Amber Larkins, published photographer, storytelling expert, visual artist, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach. This podcast was born from one question. How do I get inspiring stories of triumph out to the people who need to hear them the most? Come with me, enter my world where lives are getting changed, heroes are getting developed, and greatness is being achieved. Hello, we are live with Through the Trauma Podcast. I am your host, Amber Larkins, and today I have a very special guest. Uh, this is Mr. Clint Haddon, and he is an author, transformational coach, and speaker. He has trained over 8,000 leaders with a track record of creating energy, delivering dynamic content, and giving audience the tools to transform their lives immediately. He also helps humans unclutter their thoughts, clarify their priorities, and create actionable plans to empower them to be their best version. Um, I find it very impressive that he is also awarded the 2017 Distinguished Leadership Award as a global influencer by iChange Nations. And he's also an author of the book, Big, Bold, and Brave, How to Live Courageously in a Risky World. So Clint, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I appreciate having you here. Well, thank you, Amber. I've been looking forward to this. You know, we had a pre-conversation a little while back and uh, I just love what you're doing. I love your energy. And I think we're going to have a great conversation today. It's going to help some people. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so I, I'm so happy to have you here, but I do know you have a very traumatic story um, right. that I, you've been brave and you've been speaking about this and I'm sure you've been helping a ton of people, but um, would you like to jump into sharing your story? You want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? If I missed anything, feel free to take that however you feel is best. You bet. Well, I'm getting older, so I'll have to cut and paste some with that, right? So, <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, I, where I'd like to start, because I know obviously we're here to talk about, you know, being or getting ourselves through the trauma. And uh, to your point, we've suffered a pretty difficult situation, but I want to give just a little bit of background because I do think all of that plays into, you know, how we've been able to walk through what we're going through now, you know, and part of that is because I, I really believe that life is truly a journey. Now, I know that's not news to anybody, but a lot of times we use the word destiny, or at least I know in, in the, you know, what I've done over the last many years, that word destiny is used a lot. You know, you want to reach your destiny and that's okay. I don't mind the word. It's, it's a good word. But I, I prefer to say journey because I think the things that we've been through uh, really help form what we're experiencing today, whether that's in a really healthy, positive way or maybe in a really dysfunctional way. And so I'll back up just a little bit. You know, I, I grew up in sunny Southern California, um, pretty much loved life, was an athlete. We you know had lots of sunshine, so I was always outside playing and uh, had things good. And then around 12 years old is when kind of the first traumatic experience happened in my lifetime. My parents had been married over 25 years at that point. I, they had me very late and my dad ended up having an affair. And ultimately that led to about a, a two year part of our journey. Uh, he moved out, moved in with this girlfriend and, and her son, who was just a couple years older than me. And over the course of that two years, it was just a really, really traumatic scene for me and my mom because I, I had a brother but he was eight years older and he'd already moved hundreds of miles away so it was just us 
and she ended up, you know, suffering from suicidal ideation. Um, you know, one thing my parents have passed away, by the way, I'll just go ahead and say that now I'm going to fast forward a little bit to honor them. We had a great relationship my entire adult life. They ended up reconciling a couple of years after this experience I'm describing and uh, stayed married for 65 years before they passed away about eight years ago. But this was a really rough season. You know, she had gotten married at 16, which we can't relate to now, right? That's very different. But she got married very early. And so she started drinking heavily. She ended up with suicidal ideation and tried taking herself out a few times. And two of those occasions actually involved me in a speeding vehicle when she had had too much to drink. And we actually spun out at about 65 miles an hour on this little two-lane highway. And fortunately, just didn't hit any trees. And then uh, another time with a handgun. So you know, survive that, but it definitely informed the way I dealt with, you know, situations and issues. And so I started drinking, you know, and, and doing drugs at a very young age. Uh, I was an athlete and, you know, successful in the, at least in the, uh, you know, the, the levels that I played at, if I could say it that way. So, you know, that kind of kept me centered to a point, you know, I wanted to be able to compete but it didn't change the fact that it was a very unhealthy coping mechanism that carried me into my adulthood. And ultimately, you know, even into almost 30 years old, I'd gotten into the car business at 21 years old. That's where I was introduced to meth. You know, a lot of times when people think mm -hmm. of meth, they don't necessarily think of a professional. Truth is there's a lot of professionals that you know suffer from meth addiction. And so I abused meth and alcohol in my twenties up to 30 years old for about nine years. And, you know, during, the, <clears throat> during that time, I'd gotten married. Um, Amber, as you've already been able to tell in about the last two minutes, I was not prepared <laughs> to be a good <laughs> husband and I wasn't. And so, you know, we had a really rough relationship. Both of us had been through a lot of trauma and just didn't know how to cope with it. So ultimately that ended up in a divorce. So at 30 years old, you know, I found myself in a divorce, which I never thought would happen. Um, I found myself just really trying to figure out who do I really want to be. And then one day I, I literally just made this decision. I call them courageous decisions now that I did not want that kind of a lifestyle to identify me. And I quite literally quit cold Turkey. I just decided I'm not doing heavy drugs again. I'm done with it and I'm moving on with my life and I'm going to, and I'm going to make something of myself. And it was also around that time, I'm, I'm a man of faith. I was actually a pastor for 17 years, which we can talk about later if you want. But um, ultimately, before I you know, got into ministry, I just had made that decision that I really wanted to change. And so, you know, those are all factors that kind of led into, I always had a degree of resiliency, if I could say it that way, even though I made a lot of bad decisions, you know, suffered a lot of emotional pain due to a lot of those decisions and some things that just flat out happened to me. Uh, I still had a desire to live a good life, you know, and want to be able to push through things and not allow those mistakes or those things that have happened to me identify me. So then we can fast forward and get quickly into where we are today. You know, I ended up remarrying. We've been married over 20 years now. Uh, my beautiful bride, Amaryllis and I, just an amazing marriage. I had three boys, they're Gabriel, Joel, and Liam. And, you know, we had some ups and downs, you know, during the last 20 years, we had a couple of uh, very premature births. My oldest son, Gabriel, was born about seven weeks early, eight weeks early. 
And then my third son, Liam, was actually born three months early at one pound, 14 ounces. So, you know, went through some traumatic experiences during that time. But, you know, our faith had a lot to do with fighting through that. And then I think there's just certain ways that we've approached life, which we will get into shortly, that I think have really helped move through that trauma. But we would face in 2019, you know, the ultimate test for us. And that was my oldest son, Gabriel became a pilot at a very young age. Uh, he was passionate, passion for it, but you know, like eight years old. And ultimately by the time he was 16, he had some opportunities. He ended up soloing before he even had a driver's license, which is a strange experience for a parent. And then he got his license at 17 and life was good. Amber, everything seemed to be going our way as a family seemed to be, you know, allowing Gabriel to, fulfill this dream of being a pilot and everything was just on track. And then about three months shy of his 18th birthday, he was just flying. He took a friend home. Uh, we live in Dallas. She goes to school in Arkansas. So it was, you know, he was just getting hours, which was a very normal thing. And on the return trip, he ended up running into some unexpected weather and suffered from what they call spatial disorientation, which is unfortunately one of the most common um, things that happens to really any pilot and typically will end in a, a really bad situation. And that's what happened with him. He crashed and passed away on September 23rd of 2019. So that, you know, brought on trauma, unlike anything we ever could have imagined as parents. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. I've, I've, I've had other guests on my show and I just, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. I'm a parent of two and I, I, you know, it's your worst nightmare is what I would imagine it to feel like. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, I'm not laughing because of what happened. I'm laughing because of the words you just used. Cause that's actually one of the chapters in my book is the worst chat, the worst nightmare. Cause that's, that's what it is. It's absolutely the worst nightmare that a parent could ever face. And so, you know, we were, thrust like anyone who has suffered a tragedy like that. And there's a lot of listeners that have into, you know, trying to decide, you know, how, how do we walk this out? And so, you know, I think one of the things that we can launch out in that's going to lead us into, you know, the transformation phase of what we want to talk about today. You know, I had been a pastor for 17 years, as I mentioned earlier. Now, you know, that did not give me any kind of an advantage, Amber, when it came to pain the pain of losing mm -hmm. a child is deep and mm -hmm. very, very difficult um, to process. So it didn't give me an advantage of that, but where it did give me a slight advantage, I believe is, you know, I've been helping people for so many years and oftentimes that included people going through various kinds of tragedies, including in some cases, losing a child or losing, you know, another loved one that really meant a lot to them. And so, with that, I had seen certain characteristics of people that seem to walk through the trauma in a, in a I'm going to say reasonably healthy way because it's never easy and we didn't do it perfectly, but, but I've seen healthier ways to go about it. And then I've seen, unfortunately, like you have and many others where it didn't go well and many marriages, especially with the loss of a child end up in divorce or families just kind of splinter and fall apart due to all the emotional trauma. And so, you know, I felt like I had an advantage in that regard. And so the, really the morning after Gabriel passed away, I found myself on the couch with 
my bride and my two boys who at that time were nine and 14. And, you know, I, I just looked at them and I, I delivered the news because my boys didn't know what had happened throughout the night. That's a whole other story and would take us too long to, to go through. It was a very long, awful night. And hence why that phrase worst nightmare is very fitting. But ultimately that morning, you know, when they woke up, they came out and I had to deliver the news that their brother was gone. And of course, you know, that was, that was awful. But when, when they kind of finished the initial crying and the things that go along with, you know, receiving that kind of news, I just, I looked at him and I said, here's what we're going to do. And it was two things. One is we're going to choose to view Gabriel's death through his life. And what I simply mean by that, Amber, is, you know, you can really have two perspectives when it comes to losing someone so close to you. You can have a death perspective or a life perspective. And quickly, the difference is, is a death perspective, this is what I said to the boys, that that will keep us trapped in the trauma. If if all we ever do is focus on the death itself, the tragic circumstances of him, you know, being a pilot and crashing his plane and you know, and then of course, you know, you, you take into account all the things you're going to experience that you can't get away from. And that's the, the birthdays and the different kinds of milestones. And, um, my oldest is actually, my oldest living son is graduating right now, you know, well, Gabriel had just graduated. So, you know, there's a lot of these things that you still have to work through, but I just told them we're going to have a life mentality. And the thing about Gabriel was he attacked life. He was an adventurer. You know, obviously becoming a pilot at such a young age tells you a little bit about him, but he was also an amazing photographer. I still have, and I'm very grateful for it, hundreds of, of some of his photographs, many of which we've got on display here at the home. And um, he was really gifted at it. He learned to play guitar. You can kind of see behind me a little bit. There was a guitar hanging on the wall, you know, self-taught, you know, those kinds of things. And bottom line is I just reminded my two other sons that, you know, he didn't let fear get in the way. Uh, if there was something in his mind, if he had a passion, he was going to make it happen. And he did. And so that's what we mean by a life mentality. And so we're going to walk this out and we're going to remember how he lived and dedicate our lives to doing the same, not the same things, but just living with that same kind of passion. And my, mm -hmm. my stance on that Amber was just simply that that was the only way we could truly honor his life, that anything else was just going to bring more trauma into our lives. So that was really how we launched out. Man, I, you know, that's, that, that's a definitely a story. Your entire life is a story, but <laughs> you said something that, that I caught throughout, you said it twice is choice. You made a choice. You made yeah. a choice to quit the drugs and you quit. You made a choice to view his life in a certain way and you did. And this is something that it's so funny that, that you say that. And I actually, I, I when I, I went through a divorce and when I went through the divorce, it was something that I was faced with. I have a choice. I heard it on a, another podcast. Actually, um, this lady was talking about, we always have a choice in how we respond to the things that happen to us in life. And even though my divorce, it was, wasn't my choice. It was, yeah. um, I'm like, I have a choice how I respond to this, I can be bitter and angry and, you know, vengeful, or I can be, you know, I can choose to overcome this. And 
not that you could ever compare a divorce to losing a child. I can't even imagine not, not even trying to make that comparison, but, but the power of choice is huge in whatever life happens to us and life is fragile and we, it's unfortunate, but it's like, we all will come to that point eventually. And the beautiful thing about your son is that he he lived life to the fullest. He has, he accomplished, you know, like that, that happiness and that drive that he had and that he accomplished was, was huge. And he might've done that in 17 years more than someone does in 70. So nothing comforts this kind of situation, but it is comforting knowing that he, he was doing something he loved, you know, in the, in the middle of this. And, um, but I think it goes back to you as well. Like this whole thing with like, I've decided and you've led your family. It's not just that you decided, but now you've been a, being the man of the house, being the leader of the house, you've led your family into this idea of like, this is, we're going to choose to do this. I think that's impressive. Very impressive. Well, thank you. I mean, I, those are very kind words and I appreciate that. You know, I think much again, we're kind of back to the two decisions again, right? You really only have a couple. And so, you know, when Gabriel passed away, again, even regarding what you just said and leading my family, there's two choices. I either curl up in a ball and let them just deal with it themselves, uh, or I step up and and do my part. And so that was actually part two. I'm so glad you said that actually, because let me just tell you what the second thing we did starting that morning. And that was, you know, I, I looked at them all. And again, I did have experience as far as the grieving process, uh, as far as just observing it and seeing what can happen. I told them, listen, you know, we don't know what we're going to feel like from day to day. And that's still true to this day. It's only been a little over three and a half years. You know, you, you never know when a trigger is going to hit you. And when it's someone that close to you, you don't even need a trigger. You know, you just, I think about Gabriel every day. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him multiple times, but it doesn't always trigger necessarily what we would characterize as a, a you know, a negative emotion or a sad emotion. But I just told the boys, you know, we don't know. And so what I did was I just told them, we're going to do this together and effectively gave them permission and me permission and Emerald's permission that whatever emotions we were going to feel from day to day, week to week and, and so on, uh, that, that all of it was okay, but it was only okay if we did it together and we couldn't allow any one of us to isolate. And so I can tell you, and again, I want to say to your listeners, especially those who have suffered a hurt. And, and if you don't mind, I do want to bounce back in a second about the divorce. Cause I think that is a really big traumatic experience. I, I would like to add something to what you said, but um, you know, you as a family, you, it's so easy for people to kind of go their own way and be worried about, you look like you have some joy today. I'm feeling really down today. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to trigger you or I'm feeling good today and you look like you're not. And I kind of don't want to ask you how you're doing because I don't want to feel like you feel, you know, there's, there's some fears there, um, that can really play into things, but you have to know that, especially as a family unit, not talking about things and isolating yourselves is ultimately 
very destructive. Mm-hmm. And what we found is, is, is being brave. I, again, I'm going to use this term. I've, I, I like to call them courageous conversations. So if you don't mind, I'm going to use that a couple of times, mm-hmm. but you know, we've <laughs> had to have a lot of what we call courageous conversations, which may be one day, you know, I'm feeling pretty good, but then maybe my wife is looking kind of heavy. And so then I'll just ask her, you know, how, and typically, you know, we, we had a very simple way or have had a very simple way of doing it. It's just, you know, how are you doing with Gabriel? You know, something that simple. And then we've been honest with each other. And sometimes, you know, that's led to some tears. Sometimes that's led to, you know, talking about some stories and make us laugh, you know, and bring up joy too. It's, it's all of it, right? Cause he's a huge part of our life, even though he's not with us now, you know? So I do think, you know, giving each other permission and, and talking things through is such a critical thing. And so for your listeners out there who maybe don't, don't have that family dynamic, you know, I would just encourage you, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a great friend, whether it's um, some sort of trusted source, like a, you know, a therapist or a, a pastor or whatever, you know, it is to you in your life. Just know we, we use this phrase, Amber, and that was, it was okay to not be okay, but it was not okay to not be okay alone. And we have stood by that. We've stuck with that. And so even though we haven't done it perfectly and, you know, we've had some days that are much better than others, uh, it's been something that we've been able to recalibrate to that has continued to lead us through the trauma of the situation and, and live our lives and live our lives in a way that actually honors him. Yeah. But if I could real quick on the, on the divorce, do you mind if I jump on that real quick? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, just real fast. So first of all, you know, I, I, you were right. And I get it when you say, you know, you can't compare it and, and it, there's nothing that compares to losing a child true, but that's a very traumatic experience. And there's a lot of the listeners out there who have suffered from that. And and I've been through that too. You know, I, I suffered major shame, you know, as I told mm-hmm. you, we had rough, a really rough road with my parents early on, but they were married for 65 years. You know, there, there really was, even in my extended family, there was no divorce. I have aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. that were married 30, 40, 50 years, you know? So there's that shame. There's that disappointment. There's, you know, so many things that go into that. And that's all very real and very natural. You know, I I think it's maybe natural is the wrong word, but certainly a normal part of the experience emotionally. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what I, what I love about where you've gone and what you're doing today, and, and I don't know your marriage story, but, just what you're doing now to help people. I think that's the way you get through any kind of trauma like that is you have to make a decision. Even if it was done to you, who do I want to be? And how can my story serve and help someone else? And there is a real power in that. And it's not always easy, but there's Mm -hmm. a real power in that kind of perspective. So I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing and, how are you going about yeah. things? Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I, um, I do believe, I truly believe that life, when we face a life, we have adversity, we're going to have it. We're going to have opposition. We're going to have things come yep. against us. Um, the, the, the beauty is being able to choose, but those things do give us the opportunity to grow. If we have that perception it's not yeah. things that we would choose necessarily for our lives, but it is something that right. 
we have the opportunity to make the choice to say, I'm going to use this for good. I, I clung to this uh, verse in the Bible that said, all things work together for good for those that love, right. love God and is called according to his, you know, and I, I think when I read that scripture and I clung to that scripture a lot because I'm like, God can take anything and make it good. I have yeah. to have the right mindset, the right perception and the right willingness to allow him to work those things in my life. But right. I, I also know that it's, it, it's there if I choose to take it and life is, is, is fragile and it's short. It's like, we only have realistically what 80, hundred years if we're lucky. And then if we're super lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, let's grow as much as we can and become the person that we can and help as many people as we can um, during our time here. And, you know, one day you're going to be reunited with your son and yeah. you'll have an eternity, um, you know, and I know not everyone believes exactly the way we believe, but um, right. that that is definitely the way I see things. And it's comforting to know to know that. It is. It's very comforting. And even, you know, I love the scripture reference that you gave. And, you know, I think especially you know, being a pastor for so many years and, and my role was always, you know, coaching and counseling and that kind of stuff. So I've always been <laughs> knee deep, if I could say it that way, into people's lives. And, you know, I think why some people don't care for that verse or or misinterpret it is some people think that implies that, you no, know, what happened to you is good. And so he's going to make it good coming out of it too. And that's not at all, you know, what that's talking about. You know, like you said, adversity comes, we don't get to choose it. And I know we signed up for a club that, you know, we never signed anything to sign up for. Right. I mean, that was not what we wanted to be a part of our story, but that's exactly what happens is he, he takes what's a really bad situation and then he turns things into good. So it's not that, you know, me losing my son was a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. It was a horrible thing. You know, your, your divorce, horrible thing. You know, those, those are horrible circumstances. And yet he will, if you'll allow, like you said, if you, if you choose to have that kind of life mentality where I want to be a better human being for this experience and I want to help others through my experience, then he brings a tremendous amount of good out of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, it's not replacement. You know, you're not replacing one thing for the other. It's not even an option. It's just, you're, you're taking what life has brought you and then you're, you're doing the best you can with it to create something, you know, whether you want to say positive or not. I mean, positive is a good word, but I think, you know, to me, it's all about impact. If you want to make a difference in the world around you, then you need to choose to be someone who's going to take the knocks of life and find something in it that can become something that really helps people. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I always love talking scripture with people because we always bounce ideas back and forth. But yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with you. Like in your situation, I think like how many other parents that maybe you're going through this exact same thing right now need to hear you and need to hear you speak on it and need a, maybe they don't have the family unit, um, you know, the, to lean on. And it's just now your story has created this impact that's helping other people through what they're going through. And it's, it's, 
it's a beautiful thing to take such a bad situation and turn it into something that really can help others. Yeah. You, um, golly, you just said <laughs> so many good things. I'm just going to have to pick one so we can just have a conversation <laughs> about it. But, um, I think, you know, as we kind of transition now, I think into the triumph part of our story, what does that look like? You know, is, is this, like you said, you know, we, we really, I hate to keep saying this, but it does keep coming back to two choices. You, you always have two choices, no matter what we're talking about. And so I think what's so powerful is when you make this decision that, okay, I can either make choices and decisions where I'm going to grow from this. Cause that's a lot of what you're saying, really, even though I'm using different terms is, is if we have a, a, a growth mentality that no matter what I face, I can grow from it. I can learn from it. And then with that new wisdom that I have, I can apply it and I can apply it in such a way that I can help someone else. That's a real motivating force, you know, and in, in the death mentality that I described earlier, and I'm in, again, you know, I've, I've suffered it myself. So I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive to anybody that, that maybe has gotten stuck in that. But you have to think about it in a very practical way, in my opinion. You know, you said earlier, we only have so much time. If we're lucky, it is 80 to 100 years. Gabriel had 17. You know, we don't know. We don't know. None of us are guaranteed past, you know, even this podcast interview. And so I think the worst thing about not choosing that growth mentality and, you know, what, how, what, what wisdom can I gain and what can I learn and, and how can I help people is that if you focus on that tragedy, if you focus on that pain, you're effectively dying mm -hmm. before your time. And I know mm -hmm. that's a, that's a hard thing to say. I don't mean that offensively to anybody that may be listening to this, but the truth is if you're not intentionally living your life because of that pain from someone else passing away or just some really hard loss, you're experiencing the same death over and over and over again. And it, it really does all come down to, because that's how you're thinking about it. That's the story mm -hmm. you're telling yourself that you have to live this way now, the rest of your life. And you don't, mm -hmm. I don't care if you've been stuck for 20, 30, 40 years, you don't have to stay stuck. And especially when we start talking about losing a loved one, I, I know my son and most people, I think this would be true if, if I could talk to him today and if I did ask him, Hey, do you want me to, to, you know, stay frozen in time and, and locked into my pain? Or do you want me to continue to live life and do something to have an impact? And it'd be, come on, dad, do it, go for it. You know? And I think that's, again, that's, that can be really tough. I'm not saying there's not work involved. There is definite work involved, but it does come down to, you know, what do I want to do and how do I want to live the rest of my life? And to mm -hmm. me, that's the triumph in, in my story and our story. Uh, and be, be very frank. Uh, I'll be very frank about it too, Amber. The triumph has looked different depending on which stage we are in. You know, honestly, the triumph in the first few weeks was getting out of bed and just mm -hmm. taking some steps and doing the things that we needed to do, you know, the, mm -hmm. there was triumph in that too. 
So it truly is a journey, you know, and if you're not doing this perfectly or you feel like, oh my gosh, I've, I've just made some decisions that have, you know, not really led my life where I've wanted to go, let it go. It's okay. Just let that mm -hmm. go and make a new decision. Mm. Yeah. I want to ask you, do you find that having your other boys there was part of the reason that you made these choices? Do you think that mm -hmm. it may have been different had you not had the other boys? Cause you have to still stay strong for them, right. you know? Right. Yeah. No, I think, well, first of all, that's a, that's a profound question. It really is. I'm going to talk about my experience quickly, but then I've, you know, since this has happened, it's been three and a half years. And because of what I've chosen to do to honor Gabriel's life, you know, I've, encountered a lot of people who have lost now. And especially since I wrote the book, I'm getting back a lot of, you know, tremendous stories of what it's doing for people and stuff like that. Um, the answer for me is absolutely yes. It was a factor in helping me move forward. Now I do need to be clear. That's not always the case. Sometimes that's not enough. And, and to me, that doesn't make someone a bad parent. Sometimes they just don't know how to process the emotional pain and they check out and, and go into severe depression and those things. And, you know, I, if I could say it this way, I don't, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I've been working on myself for a long time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been in this growth mode for a very long time. And so, you know, once when this situation happened, you know, I had a pretty high level of uh, what you you might want to call spiritual and emotional intelligence you know i have a lot of practical understanding of that and so you know i've i've made decisions that have lined up with that so you know the responsibility i had to my boys was definitely a motivating factor for me but if you don't necessarily have those foundations then it can be really easy for that to become a trigger actually and pressure and send you in the other direction. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, anybody out there that has experienced this, you know, I think, I think the, the lesson I would want you to know right now is I, I had to take care of me first. It may not sound like that the way we, you know, kind of told this story, but, but really that is the truth. I had to be very true with my own emotions. I had to be willing to talk to my wife, to my boys. I made that commitment to them that they didn't just, you know, you, you need to come to me if you're feeling some pain or if you're not, you know, you're feeling a certain way. But meanwhile, I'm just going to go hide in a room when I'm feeling the pain so nobody can know it so I can look strong. You know, it wasn't like that. I dealt with my own pain. I dealt with my own emotions first. And that really helped me be able to be in position to, you know, help them through some things too. So uh, I say all that to just say, if, if you do have children or maybe, or maybe, you know, I've talked to an awful lot that have lost their only child. I, I don't know what that's like, you know, that's not my experience. So I can't speak to that in fullness. I can only tell you what I've heard from those who have. And that is, is that that's, that can be really devastating as well in, in the sense that, you know, it was your only child and you don't have another one or, or, you know, more than one other to be responsible to. And so now what do I have left? Mm -hmm. And so that's when you really, you may need to get some help. You know, therapy mm -hmm. is, is a good thing. It may need someone to help talk you through that. Uh, the point being is, is just do whatever it is you need to do 
to get in a healthier emotional state and to get in mm. a better way of, you know, a thought pattern, a, 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 to be thinking clearly about what you want to do in the future. It's really mm. important. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure you've heard this before, like what we focus on expands, like whatever we are focused on, even the Bible, you know, when you read scripture about this, like we focus on meditate on the things, you know, of God or the good things in life or whatever, like we can, we depression from people I've talked to and just the study that I've done through doing this, this project and everything that I'm doing, depression is one of those things that it, if we get it stuck in our mind that we're going to continue to just replay this, you said this earlier, yep. you're replaying yep. this over and over and over again in our mind. And if we continue to do that, it's probably going to drive us down that road of depression. And I firmly believe in therapy. I think everybody should have therapy at least once in their life. I mean, we all go through traumatic things and sure. therapy should, there should not be a stigma around getting therapy. It's a, it's a great thing to help us get into that healthy place. And so I, I agree with you 100%. I love the advice of what you're giving people. And a big reason that I even really asked that question was because I wanted to know for people that were listening, like, how does, you know, how do you navigate that? I had a friend when I was in school and she had lost a sister. And mm -hmm. she said her mom was never the same after that. And it had affected her and her relationship with her mom. And I just, it broke my heart. I can't relate to that. I can't fully understand it, but it, it breaks my heart. And, you know, my heart behind this whole project is just so that people have a, they can understand. We don't, we don't know how we're going to respond to certain things that happen to us. That's right. Um, so it's like you said, you got to get through it the best way you know how and therapy or talking to somebody. Isolation is the worst, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you have to get you know over this idea that there's something wrong with you. If you if you need to go talk to somebody, there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with you. It's, it's not that you're broken, but everybody we, we were created for human connection. That's why isolation is so dangerous. That's why it's a it's a it's a, a technique, right? That's been used over the years in some very evil ways to you know for prisoners of war and stuff like that. You know, extreme isolation will destroy your humanity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not to be over dramatic with that, but you know, I do think it's it's really critical. Again especially within a family unit. I actually, I did an interview a while back and it just happened to be, it was a, a licensed therapist. They'd been, uh, I think over 30 years and had suffered through something pretty similar to what I had. So there was both of those things going on. And, you know, here's someone who is classically trained, you know, in the right ways to do it. But one of the things that she mentioned at the end, after just hearing about how we, especially, you know, me and my wife talking about it openly with our children, and having those conversations that she really felt like she needed to go back with even her adult children because they're adults now from when their tragedy happened and have some conversations now because what we don't recognize in those moments we sometimes we think we're protecting the other family member by isolating ourselves again it goes back to that i don't want to trigger anybody but what 
you may be teaching your kids and you don't recognize it is that when they don't know what you're thinking and what you're going through and what you're feeling, but they are, that something's wrong with them. Mm. And it can have mm. lifelong consequences. So talking it out within a family unit or talking it out within a marriage or talking it out amongst really close friends or going to a therapist, it's a very, very healthy thing. And there's nothing wrong with you. We all just need that human connection to help get through some of the traumas of life. Do you have any advice as far as um, finding a therapist that helps with these kinds of things? I feel like there is a time and a place for certain types of medication. However, I think some therapists right. are quick to put people on medication. And again, like I said, sometimes it's needed, but sometimes it's overused. Yeah. So if you had to tell our listeners anything about, you know, like finding the therapist, do you have any advice about that or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think there's a couple of things and this, this is really true beyond looking for a therapist too. It can be applied to a variety of different things, but there's probably like three things I think you could do when you're looking for a therapist. And again, this would apply to other things too. The very first one is, is interview them. You know, I think anytime, whether it's a doctor or a therapist or whatever, Sometimes we think because they have the placard on the wall <laughs> that we have mm -hmm. to go in and we have to fill out their forms and we're answering all these questions that they ask, but we're not really supposed to ask questions in return. So that's one thing is absolutely interview them. You know, I, your point to me was very important because we do live in a day and age where there's a lot of drugs being prescribed. And I would say the news and the data shows us that that isn't always um, being done in an ethical way. Not that all doctors that prescribe stuff are that way. It's not that way at all, but there are some. So I think you mm -hmm. just ask the questions, you know, how, how do you see drugs coming into this? Is this one of your first go-tos? You know, I think you, you interview that person and ask them the questions that really matter to you. Don't be afraid of that. And if something comes mm -hmm. up that you're like, mm, no, that's a deal breaker. Then you keep looking, right? I think a mm -hmm. second thing, and again, this is true with just about anything, is if you can find referrals. Now, I understand that one's a little bit trickier because a lot of people like to do this in private, right? And don't necessarily want anybody to even know that they're going to talk to someone. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that's one of the most effective you know, tools you can have is if maybe you ask a very small, trustworthy, confidential group of friends you know, Hey, have you happened to heard of anybody and you'd be surprised or maybe you won't be surprised. A lot of times when you do that, you end up finding out we're not alone. We're not the only ones and that other people have needed help too. And they actually do mm -hmm. know someone and can give you some really good feedback on that. You know? So mm -hmm. I think, you know, interviewing and then referrals. And then I think the third thing would, would be just simply once you've done those two things and you go the first time, you know, don't feel like you're, committing to, you know, like you're not getting engaged with this person to be married, right? It doesn't mean that you have to be with them forever. So if those first two things seem to be matching, just go, go have a session, go have a conversation and then base on how that went, whether or not you choose to have another conversation. Man, that's, that's some really good advice. I agree with that. And, um, it seems so simple yet, um, still one of those things I think people, people ask about, but 
that's another great thing about here too, because I hope that people will be able to find referrals, you know, and they don't have even have to go ask um, if they have and everything being done online. Now it makes it a little bit easier for us to find yeah. people that can help us. So is there any other like thoughts or things that you have any other resources that you'd like to share? Yeah. Well, I tell you what there's, and we can, we can put these in the show notes. Um, Cause I think you had asked me that question if I had any resources mm -hmm. and I was kind of waiting to see where we went with this conversation because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of ways to go and, and I wanted to be the most helpful to what we talked about. Right. Uh, there's a few books that even though they don't speak directly to my particular loss, they're incredibly um, healthy and helpful in just developing that emotional intelligence and that, that uh, you know, that growth mentality that we were talking about earlier. Um, I think two really come to mind immediately. I may share more with you for, for the show notes, mm -hmm. but one is a book called Boundaries. And that may sound like it's coming out of left field, but if we don't know how to have healthy relational boundaries with ourselves, with one another, with, with our spouses, with our extended family, it's going to impact every area of your life. And it's certainly going to be a difficult challenge when you face really hard circumstances if you don't know how to have boundaries. So it's a book called uh, Boundaries by Doctors Cloud and Townsend. It's not a new book. It's been around many years. I actually read it originally probably close to 20 years ago. Uh, and funny enough, I actually picked it up last week and started looking at it again because it's just got such great tools in it. And, and I use it, you know, as a coach as well and helping people with transformation. But that's definitely one really great book that can just help you overall. And then the second one that comes to mind now, you should know this. I didn't say this earlier, but I'm kind of a neuroscience geek. So there's a lot of ways we could have went with this whole mindset. And, you know, the truth is you alluded to it earlier. The way we think about things has a massive impact in the experiences we have in life and what we receive in life. And that actually is scriptural too. And so there's a book called Who Switched Off My Brain? I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's mm -hmm. Dr. Caroline Leaf Who Switched Off My Brain. And she's a neuroscientist. Um, for those who this will matter to you and you'll think it's important and others won't think it's important, but I'm just saying she she is a believer as well. So she's a neuroscientist, but she's a Christian. And she does a really amazing job of in that book explaining the science of the brain, what we've discovered about how the way we think impacts our, like, for example, and this isn't just Dr. Caroline Leaf, it's believed pretty much across the board that close to 80% of all the physical ailments and diseases and different things that we face actually are caused by the way we think not external circumstances, not genetics, right? That's just one example. But what she's great about and why I'm suggesting this book is she's able to take some really complicated science and break it down into some very simple terms to understand. And more importantly, not just understand, but, but how to apply them. And for those who are believers too, you know, she adds a lot of scriptures in there because what may surprise some people is 
the scriptures are not anti-science. God is not anti-science. He created all of it. <laughs> and it's very interesting when we look at the science of the brain and what they're learning very much parallels a lot of what scriptures say. So that's, that's another book that I think is incredibly helpful just as a whole person. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I agree with you. The more that I learn about the brain and, and science and energy, that was one thing for me. It was like energy, yeah. which is a yep. whole nother rabbit hole to go down, but, right. um, but it, it, the Bible talks about this. So it's Absolutely. funny how scripture really aligns. Um, and then you, so tell me just a little bit about your coaching, your transformational coaching. Would you classify yourself kind of, or that as a therapeutic modality? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what, what I'm doing now, and it's really, you know, funny thing, Amber, I, I started the company Big Bull Brave, which is my brand. And, you know, I've been doing that for just a little over a year, year and a half. So it sounds like something new, but really I've been doing this stuff for 20 years, but just continually learning and tweaking and learning how to just get better at it. And so when it comes to speaking, you know, obviously uh, my goal, and I'll, I'll give you my, my tagline that I use on my website, because this is really how I feel about life now. This is my mantra moving forward. Mm -hmm. And that is my tagline is courageous humans, inspiring lives. And so with that, you'll find on my website, I believe three things about every human being. And I truly do. I believe this about every human being. And that is we are created to be courageous. So you've heard me use the word courageous conversations. I believe courage is already inside of us. Whether you believe in God or not, it's okay. It doesn't matter to me. I don't, we don't need to argue that point, but I do believe we are created. And I believe he already put courage in you. The second mm -hmm. thing is, is we are created with a creative genius. Now this is a whole other show. <laughs> so I'm not going to go too far with that one, but I do absolutely believe that we were created with a creative genius. And with that creative genius, we can tap into it and really come up with creative ideas and solutions and problem solving all those things. And then the last one is we were created with compassion. I believe you see that I, we see it happen. You know, when someone, um, you know, runs into a burning building to pull someone out at risk of their own life. And you'll hear someone ask me, you know, well, how, why did you do that? You know, you're a hero. And they'll go, I'm not a hero. Anyone would have done it. Why? Because courage was already in there. <laughs> the creative genius gave them the way to figure out how to go be a, a help in the situation and compassion drove them to help another human being. Right. So I think all three of those things come into whether I'm speaking in front of an audience, because I do corporate speaking, I speak at churches, uh, I have a lot of different talks that I can hit on different levels, but everything comes down to really helping people become courageous and not just want to look at other people as inspiring, but to make a decision and go, you know what? I want to live an inspiring life. I want to inspire people too. And those are the people that I really want to connect with and help and help you get over fear, help you get over. A lot of times it's just your mindset is stuck in old patterns, or sometimes you just don't you know, know the right steps to take. And I've discovered usually it's right inside of somebody. So mm -hmm. whether I'm doing something in a collective, you know, larger group or whether it's one-on-one -on -one, to your point, yeah, it actually can be therapeutic because it just helps people see things a little bit differently. It helps them see things that are inside of them that maybe they've ignored. And that creates change. That creates momentum. 
and th therefore it becomes transformative for them. So would you say like, say someone was struggling through maybe a loss or depression, would you be the right resource to, to talk to them, your coaching? That's, that's a little bit of a tougher question in that it's really going to be circumstantial. You know, I think if mm -hmm. someone is really in a deep, like depressive state, um, really struggling to just get out of that, then that's where I would always defer to a professional. I think that's gotcha. where professional help is needed. And we've incorporated that in our family too. You know, this, again, mm -hmm. everything I'm describing to you guys, it, it, it's how we live. It's a real thing. That's another thing about me is when I speak on stuff, it's because this is how I live. It's not some theory that I heard about, but we didn't do it perfectly. So part one of that question would be, if you're really in the throes of deep depression and, and that kind of stuck, seek a professional. If you're someone who is not in that state and you know, I really, I really want to do something significant with my life. I want to break some of these patterns. I want to live without being in fear all the time. I'm your guy. I just wanted to clarify that for um, people that might, you know, might be interested in what, what sure. you're doing. And um, you have a lot of great, amazing insights and it's been a, a great conversation. I, I appreciate you so much coming on and, and just sharing with my listeners. And I, I truly believe that, you know, you are, you are using what, when they say, when life gives you lemons, it's so cliche, but it's like, you're using mm -hmm. this to truly impact others. And man, that's, that's amazing. And I just appreciate everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. Those are kind of words. And once again, that's exactly what you're doing. That's what this show is all about. And and I would, again, encourage those listening to this because you and I don't know when they're going to hear this, right? It may be even months down the road that, that you can live the same way. We're, we're not special. Yes. We're not unique. We've just made a decision. That's right. It all comes down to that decision. Thank you for listening to Through the Trauma Podcast. If you have found value in this episode or believe in the mission behind what we are doing, please subscribe so that you never miss any future episodes. Also, be sure to check out our Transformation Project at transformationthroughtraumaproject.com, where we help inspirational stories get heard on a larger scale through multiple platforms. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Until next time.